an oil man. Ladies and gentlemen, I have numerous concerns spread across this state. I have many wells flowing at many thousand barrels per day. I like to think of myself as an oil man. Greed is a force that can turn petty, small-scale swindlers and opportunists into certified conmen, driven solely by ambition, self-interest, and desire. There Will Be Blood depicts this turn-of-the-century hustler, from lowly silver prospector to oil tycoon, Daniel is driven by capitalist greed and opportunism. He embodies a competitive, self-serving nature that paints anyone he interacts with as being potential threats to its expanding business. From Eli Sunday, whose family property is first sold to Daniel, to Henry, a man who arrives at Daniel's doorstep claiming to be his half-brother, Daniel doesn't believe in partnership. Not really, anyways. To work with him is to be a subordinate, someone who serves his interests directly. Anything else in the way of that, and you're a competitor overstepping your grounds. I have a competition in me. I want no one else to succeed. I hate most people. That part of me is gone. Working and not succeeding. All my uh, failures has left me. Uh, I just don't care. Well, if it's in me, it's in you. His self-serving nature is what inevitably breaks his relationships with those close to him. Take H.W. Plainview, his adoptive son, for example. The reason Daniel takes him under his wing in the first place is because of the optics, the picture it depicts to potential investors. By placing H.W. directly in the grift, it paints Daniel as a family man, looking to score not for himself, but for his son. When an accident occurs striking H.W. deaf, the animosity and resentment between the two of them builds, laying the groundwork for Daniel's later abandonment of him. Daniel's dealings with H.W. throughout his childhood caused tension that result in H.W. later in life as a man, wishing to be free from his father's grasp and of his drilling company. I that under this all these past years, you've been building your hate for me piece by piece. I don't even know who you are because you have none of me in you. You're someone else's. This anger, your maliciousness backwards dealings with me. You're an orphan from a basket in the middle of the desert. And I took you for no other reason than I needed a sweet face to buy land. Did you get that? This is a moment of clarity for H.W., and through this revelation during their separation, Daniel brings to light words that more so describe himself rather than H.W., Anger, maliciousness, backwards dealings, these all describe his own self-centered swindling. It's the same selfish nature that gives Daniel cause to kill Henry once he discovers the true nature of their relationship. Daniel, I'm your friend. I'm not trying to hurt you. Never. Just survive. Family serves an interesting dynamic in There Will Be Blood. Both Henry and H.W. are essentially adopted, 
They're two people brought under Daniel's wing with whom he has no blood relation towards, two people he uses for his own personal gain. When he no longer has use for either of them, he effectively disowns one, revealing the true nature of his origin, and kills the other. This speaks to the destructive nature of greed. When we are driven by an all-consuming force such as this one, it can destroy meaningful relationships. The fact that H.W. and Henry, two of the closest people to Daniel, become some of the greatest sufferers born of his yearning appetite, speaks volumes to how his own twisted psychology and his dedication to the hustle knows no bounds, even when it comes to family. But there's another layer of greed revealed through Plainview's interactions in the film, specifically with religion. Religion is an integral thread throughout There Will Be Blood. Daniel first presents to Little Boston with an almost religious awe. He is a savior for the community. He promises that his investment in the town's oil will bring about a type of prosperity and vitality to a region that can't grow much save a few weeds and quail. Please don't be insulted if I speak about this bread. Let's talk about bread. Now, to my mind, uh, it's an abomination to consider that any man, woman, or child in this magnificent country of ours should have to look upon a loaf of bread as a luxury. We're going to dig water wells here. Water wells means irrigation. Irrigation means cultivation. We're going to raise crops here where before it just simply wasn't possible. You're going to have more grain than you know what to do with. Bread will be coming right out of your ears, ma'am. New roads, agriculture, employment, education. These are just a few of the things that we can offer you. And I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, that if we do find oil here, and I think there's a very good chance that we will, this community of yours will not only survive, it will flourish. I'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have. Yes. But not all grifters are oil men. Swindlers, hustlers, cons, and cheats come in all shapes and sizes. Where Daniel uses oil and his mastery of the industry to screw over business partners and challenge his competitors, Eli Sunday uses religion, and his position as preacher of the Third Revelation Church serves as the basis for what Daniel sees as a facade itself one most sinister. And as long as I have teeth, I will bite you. And if I have no teeth, I will gum you. And as long as I have fish, I will pass you now. Get out of your The difference between Daniel and Eli is Daniel knows they're both monsters, using people for their own gain. It's one thing to swindle people out of lands and resources, stripping them for their monetary value, and another to proclaim you hold in your hand the key to their salvation. There's no overstating how dangerous both systems can be. Both Paul and Daniel claim to have the cure to what ails the community, and I think there's something complex in trying to square capitalist greed with religious greed. Both systems prey on the downtrodden and members in the weakest positions in society, and both are dominated by men in all-consuming positions of power. This struggle between the two systems is portrayed physically through Eli and Daniel, who over the course of the film trade emasculating experiences. We witness their physical bodies in brutal concert on three separate occasions. The bury you underground scene, Daniel gets the upper hand. The baptism scene, point one for Eli and finally, the scene in Daniel's private bowling alley. 
where Daniel escapes the victim. When do we get our money, Daniel? Aren't you a healer? An official for the Holy Spirit? When are you coming over and make my son here again? Can't you do that? Let me bless the world. This happened. Daniel, you should have done that. Oh, you owe the church of the third revelation. Five thousand dollars. We made. It's in Eli's weakest moment at the end of the film where Daniel's true grift becomes fully realized. Eli is forced to denounce his faith in his own credibility and he begs for Daniel to save him from his own dire financial straits. But Daniel reveals that Eli's property is effectively worthless, thanks to Daniel's own slant drilling from neighboring wells, drying up the oil and the value from the Sunday ranch. And unfortunately for Eli, the humiliation he receives in the aftermath of this revelation is a humiliation most damning and most final. Daniel has finished, destroying everything and everyone that either once meant a great deal to him, or that always stood in the way as an obstacle, a thorn in his side. That's what greed does. It destroys and consumes all. And Daniel's prospects throughout the West are just another page in the history of the changing American frontier. People suffered and died for the sake of those obsessed with exponentially increasing their wealth, revealing how destructive and unforgiving the boot of capitalism really is. Many may come from humble beginnings, servants to the rat race, players in a small-scale game of petty deceit. But those who are clever enough and those with loose enough morals can find themselves at the helm of the wheel itself, crushing others in the act of self-interest. Preachers and oilmen are as slick as they come and can hide less-than-ethical intentions behind sweet words like calm, flowing rivers. And whether it's a river flowing with milk and honey or a river flowing with oil, both have the power to create value and to destroy it. Mind Theater is produced and written by me, Ayo Akingbade, in collaboration with Muckraker Media. To subscribe, look for Mind Theater on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For updates on the show and upcoming episodes, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.